0: Hi, I'm Divya.
1: Hi, I'm Karin. And this
0: is... (laughs) Thinking on Thinking. Welcome to this episode of Thinking on Thinking. Today we talk about our conversations with Mansi Khare and Computational Mama. And how we found certain threads about identity through both of those conversations and how Karin and I... Some parts of those conversations gave us pause and made us think about identity differently. We hope you enjoy. So for me, there were two key takeaways from the conversation with Mansi. Um, One was like her perspective on identity. So I've had a similar conversation with a friend who is like into dramatics and he was talking about how like Doing dramatics lets him sort of take on different identities and it has sort of given him this understanding that identity is very malleable and who you think you are in the story that you're telling yourself that you are really changes how you're moving in the world. Of course, he's talking in the context of stage, but he was also talking in context of general life. And then um, like the examples that Mansi gave and how she... Of course, she's still like, you know, she can't change a lot of things about her identity. She is a woman. She is like, you know, a particular age. People will anticipate certain things. But she did change a lot of other things, right? Like uh, what is her religion? What is her name? What does she do? All of that. And like it was just interesting how it helped her look at the world from a different perspective and look at the people who were interacting with her from a different perspective. It also reminded me of uh, that book, Ways of Seeing. Um, have you heard of it?
1: No, I don't know if I have.
0: It's an interesting book. It's like very philosophical. It's also like very artsy kind of social. Like It's interesting. But there he talks about the concept of the male gaze, the female gaze, stuff like that. Um, and it's very often when in our popular narrative we don't think about the seer. Like we don't examine the eyes. We only examine the object that the eyes are looking at. Mm. Um, but the way, like, you know, Manzi was talking about identity, she was also able to observe how are people's perception of her changing as she is somebody different. Like that thing that she said about, you know, going somewhere on E, then the guy asked her something and then she was just like, okay, I guess I'll just play along. Mm. Um, that part was like very interesting for me and i also really liked her take on patriotism it's still not something that i've fully internalized because like i don't think that i had thought of patriotism as something nice for the lack of a better term but like just her entire conception around it as like anybody who is doing good creating value is patriotic much more than somebody who is just whatever waving a flag Um, That was just very interesting, or rather that is how I took her perspective as. (laughs) So those are like the two key things that sort of stood out to me and like sort of stuck with me when I was hearing that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting what you were saying just now about that book and the ways of seeing and that notion of kind of objectifying and like the male gaze and the female gaze. It's just kind of interesting to me because I think Mansi kind of touched on it, right? And how she um, kind of handles it, right? And I think that she is like a striking lady, right? So like she otherwise kind of does get attention. And I think she handles that attention in a certain way. When you were talking to Computational Mama or when I was listening to it, I think it's just interesting how the roles and what we kind of perceive roles as being and we kind of perceive as being available kind of just shapes how we think about the paths that we go on. So like maybe Mansi could have taken a a similar sort of path as as computational mama and creating sort of like one sort of alter ego, right? Or you and I were talking before the podcast started about this podcast you and I both listened to called the Knowledge Project, and there the host has kind of created a separate entity from himself that is the Knowledge Project and that runs the Knowledge Project. And I just think it's interesting how, because of how we kind of perceive what's available to us, we choose different these sorts of like different ways of solving. Um, kind of the situations that are in front of us hmm. from my understanding of of the podcast that you guys had, it kind of felt like computational mama felt like you know that she is not creative right and that she is not like even though she does design things like there's certain aspects of what she does uh, that she brings this kind of like creative or design thinking to, but a lot of it is rooted in her feeling of herself as a creator and a developer um, and someone who makes stuff but then it was just kind of interesting how in some ways that almost had been a reaction in itself, right? But the way she reacted to the circumstances was that she made a new version of herself, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like what Mansi almost does is she makes a new version of herself each time.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe I'm also misperceiving that maybe what's really happening is there's, there is like a more shape-shifting part of Mansi, right? And that is getting developed further and further and it just materializes in all these different forms every time.
0: Huh. So one of my friends has written this article, Identity is Debt. And that one is also really intriguing. And uh, he talks about how similar to how tech debt just accrues. And eventually in your, uh, like, you know, when you're building a large system, eventually whatever tech issues, whatever were things that you didn't consider wherever the edges are, something is going to come and break your system. And it would be at that point, like his contention in this article is that identity also can do that to you because like it will expand you, but it will also limit you. Like if there are two sides to an argument, like let's say Democrats and liberals, even if people on both sides are reasonable, you know sensible people once they attach themselves to a certain identity suddenly like people whose interests are might or might not be aligned with them can come and leverage that identity while they have to bear the cost so like for example if two people in a family like you know are liberals and democrats right mm. while the divide and the emotional burden would be handled by the two people in that family the benefit of that would be taken by the political parties right
1: Oh, that's so interesting. It's something I kind of thought about in a really different way uh, a long time ago. But when we were kind of thinking about how do we explain what Joyous does, one of the ways I was thinking about it was that we help expand what feels available to the consumer in this brand. Hmm. And in some ways, actually, I think what you're talking about is once you start having an identity associated with something, then it starts to expand Let's say I form my identity because I really like physics, right? And so I think of myself as a physicist. But then as I start to understand what are physicists doing in this world, mm. then I'll realize, like, I don't know, like, maybe there's all these, like, like conferences or something or, like, like magazine or whatever, mm. like, organizations I could be part of mm. because I have this identity as a physicist. That wasn't part of why I got that identity. I had no idea about them. Yeah. But now that I have that identity, these things are available to me that weren't otherwise available. Yeah.
0: It's also a little bit like how clusters of hobbies and activities would get activated. So, like, you know, you get into one thing and then suddenly you are, quote unquote, also into other things because people like you are supposed to be into those things.
1: Mm. Yes.
0: Right? Like, oh, if you are into sci fi, then have you read this or have you watched this and how could you not? Or, like, you know, if you are a book reader, then you should not be liking the TV shows or something like that. And like, I'm not saying that there is a particular, like, you know, particular group in each case, which would be um, sort of benefiting, or at least like, I can't think of it. But I I just like that articulation. And I just liked that idea of like, malleability of identity, because I also think that like, I am somebody who has like, certain parts of my identity very rigidly fixed. It's both an anchor and something that holds you back. And you don't know when it's holding you back and when it is giving you stability, right? Because like now Mansi has this part of herself, for example, where she will go and make up these identities. And that in itself is who Mansi is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to hint at. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's interesting. At first, while you were talking, and I'll just share this story, but I was reminded of um, something that keeps happening to me now is because I I go to some amount of theater, right, and I live in New York, like, and there's really, like, there is a New York gay that really understands theater, right? But I am not that one. (laughs) Like, you know. I know it's very exciting that I believe Barry Manilow just wrote the music for a new uh, play, but I don't really know why, right? <laughs> People are like, Woo! this is such a thing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, is that? I, I don't
0: even know who that
1: is. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's an identity that I feel unsure of because um, it comes with, I feel like, a lot of cost in my head at least. I'm like, oh, hmm. I don't... Wait, um, so
0: the part is the New York theater Consumer gay is the identity that feels expensive to you
1: yeah it feels like people have a set of expectations from me that I don't know how to meet or it feels like a lot of energy to meet hmm. uh, because like right and people already kind of do right they were like asking me like oh have you seen any good plays recently and whatnot and I just feel uh this is also partially me right but I find it like oh oh no I don't know I have, what, what should I recommend to you oh, <laughs> what kind of person are you like who are you going with like Um, that's just also, you know, how I think about giving recommendations and advice to people.
0: Huh? Okay. So like, this really does remind me of like, you know, that this is so interesting. You were not stressed out about this when you were in Bangalore or when you were in Seattle. You probably loved the theater as much when you were in both of these places. I don't think that like, you know, in the year that you've been living in New York, your love for theater has like exponentially increased or anything like that. Right. Um, But, like, the way we set expectations is so much dependent on our current actions. And, like, the more actions we're taking, the more, like, you know, I've said this to you multiple times. The only time I'm worried about I'm not running fast enough is not when I'm on my couch, but when I am running. (laughs) Right? Like, while ideally you should not be worried about when you're already running, you don't need to be worried about how fast you're running. It's almost that way, right? Like, I think these days you go for what two or three plays like in a week. Two plays a week is like quite common.
1: No, good lord. No, I'm not doing that many. I mean, well, also remember, I feel like we're traveling like every week sometimes.
0: Yeah, okay. So every week that you are in New York, you are going for two plays a week. I am, I am sure you are. Are you or are you not?
1: I think it averages out to maybe two or three a month right and I don't think we're traveling every week every two weeks but but yeah no I mean there was a time certainly I think when the weather was a little better and you could also see some outdoor shows it was fun Mm. um
0: it's very interesting that like now you're probably seeing a lot more theater and you are able to indulge in the thing that gives you happiness um Neil Gaiman has the statement that when you figure out how to do the thing that you love and you get successful at it, the world will conspire. Make sure that you don't get to do enough of it. And, it, like, he gives the example of, like, when he became really quite successful, um, he would get these, like, you know, international contracts, which are, like, 80-page contracts, and he has to sign on each page. And he would get many, many contracts for each language, for each edition, for everything. And he was like, there was a period of time when I was actually wasting my time signing the contracts and I couldn't write, and which is so ridiculous, right? Like, if you think about it, that is really ridiculous. Um, But I think like, somehow your description made me think of that as well. But it's like, you know, you are watching more plays, you could just be enjoying way more plays. But now that you're doing more of this, you're suddenly having to worry about like, you know, 100 other things because of who people expect you to be and through their eyes, who you see yourself to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's some truth to that. But I think also as you start to do it more, your expectations start to change, right? Like now I'm less willing to go and see a show that I feel like is shitty, right? Like I actually left a show in the spring at intermission, which I'd never done before. But I was kind of just like, this is not worth (laughs) another two hours of my time. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Didn't help. It was like three and a half hours.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then also now I'm like more cognizant where I'm like, okay, if I am going to be sitting for a while, like I want to sit in a chair that like I can like extend my left leg because like my hip will start to bother me after a while. So I'm not as willing to like take, you know, any seat, Hmm. right? Like I want to sit on like the left hand side of the aisle. Hmm. So yeah, I think I feel like that identity doesn't add that much for me, at least right now, right? Like I could be more like kind of cultured or like have that as part of my identity, but I'm just like, ah, it comes with like all this baggage, especially in this in this part of the world. Hmm. But I think what's kind of interesting is I feel like in, for our guests, like especially for Computational Mama, she kind of created an identity that gave her more space. Hmm. It let her do things that she felt like weren't as available. Hmm. It's interesting, I think, what you're saying about Mansi, because I feel like she also has created an identity that it let people open up to her in a way that otherwise it wasn't possible to. Right? She could connect with people in a way that she wouldn't, couldn't connect otherwise. It's interesting.
0: I wonder if it also just like lets her be freer. That was also like one of my biggest takeaways. Um, like for some time I was like, oh, but but those people don't know who you really are. And then when she shared the story about the guy who actually did figure out who she was, and then he was just like fully sympathetic. And I was like, huh, maybe I am more inhibited about it and other people would not be so guard up against a concept like this. Like, I would feel very strange doing something like this because I'm like, oh, but but I want to be like 100% quote unquote myself. And that like actually gave me the pause where I was like, huh? Is my bid to be 100% myself the thing that is like stopping me from being 100% myself? Because she can actually share a lot more and like, you know, be more open and be more like available to listening to people also because she's like, yeah, I know that like none of this can be traced back to me and I'm okay with that, right?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting too, because I don't know, like I, I remember when I was quite young, maybe like 15 or 14, must've been 15, let's be real. Um, hmm. I was getting a fake ID because you can't drink in the US until you were like 21, right? Yeah. And for some reason I was talking about it with my aunt, my, my father's sister, my bua, hmm. um, and she was horrified at the notion. She was like, how could you misrepresent your identity? It wasn't even <laughs> the fact of like it was like that it would say that I was someone i wasn't was what was so shocking to her, and I still remember being so stunned that that was the part that bothered her, like I thought she'd be mad there about like you know buying alcohol illegal or something right, but it, no, it was the idea that you would be representing yourself as someone you're not, and she's like that we don't do that right like that is not something we do in our family like you cannot do that hmm. so it's just interesting, I think that you grow up with these senses of, like, what is accessible and not accessible. And I think maybe you also grew up in a way that it just was very weird, the notion that you would represent yourself as someone you're not.
0: It's also very interesting that you use the word accessible and not correct, right? Because in my mind, it's not an accessibility question. In my mind, it is a, like, moral validity question. Say more? Because I feel like, oh, no, it's wrong to do that. Hmm. And it's also very interesting. I didn't think it was wrong of Mansi to do that. Hmm. I would feel like it is wrong if I did it.
1: Yeah, I think that's what Manabua was getting at, right? She would feel like it was wrong if she didn't. At that point, I was young enough and, you know, close enough that I think it was a reflection of her is how she felt, right? That she was like, you know, Hmm. no, I don't necessarily feel like there's something morally wrong about it. But I can see how people would feel I think especially, you know, for my family, because there's so much of them are in the defense forces in India, right? These ideas of identity are so strong. Um, Mm.
0: It's just interesting that for you, it's a question of accessibility. Like for you, it's a question of, is this a part of your possibility space or not?
1: Everything is that way, really, right? Just some things we label are not possible because of moral reasons. And some things are because of like, you know, wherewithal or difficulty or...
0: Hmm. I feel like morality is different from possibility. Yeah.
1: Yeah, hold on to that thought for one second. Because even if you think about someone like Computational Mama, I feel like her identity did not make available for her the things that she wanted to do, right? There was an expectation of her to kind of behave as a mother and like do all of these things inside the house. And she wanted an identity that gave her more. So she made it.
0: That is also another interesting point. Digital identities being different from yourself don't, feel off to me because as a super young kid I used to be like which is not as common in India that like I used to be on IRC and uh, you know just like spend a lot of time talking to people who I have no idea who they were are they alive are they real (laughs) who knows Uh, but it's just interesting because I had a moniker then and I used to use that moniker in my gaming days So somehow computational mama as an identity doesn't feel like I didn't even make that connection between the identities thing until you said it today. Mm. Like identity was a theme in the two episodes that we did.
1: I think there's a cultural thing also, which I think is what makes it even more unusual, because I feel like in India to change your identity is really like, you're changing who you are, right? You're not acknowledging your family in some ways, right? Mm. And I think that's a big thing. Whereas I feel like, like, I feel like in the US it's not as big of a deal. I don't know. It kind of gets into like, what is identity? Is it just your name?
0: Yeah. Like, and not, yeah, in the sense of like, I agree, yeah, it is just your name. I mean, like, yeah, what is identity?
1: Yeah, for example, one of my cousins, um, the, the person he married, uh, went from being Hindu uh, to being a Southern Baptist and a Southern Baptist is like it's it's a pretty strict interpretation of Christianity hmm. and yeah you know that's a big part of her identity that's that's shifted mm-hmm. and i don't think you hear those stories as much in india it's very surprising when you hear those kinds of stories of people who have kind of completely changed and in fact i really think about it i know people who have tried and kind of failed like one of my neighbors when i lived in bangalore um, his family business was, I think, in steel um, and maybe steel rods, mm-hmm. uh, and he really wanted to be a jeweler. And um, eventually, I think he had his jewelry uh, store and kind of um, was making and designing jewelry for maybe about a decade. And at some point, the family business, it was like they really needed him. Uh, and he gave up his jewelry store and now he goes and works on the steel rods.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. You know, and I think he's in his mind is not forever, right? It's, you know, that there's a period, while you know, his father is older and they need to transition the business and whatnot. But I know many people like that. And even one of my wedding planners is in a really similar space. I'm almost identical, actually, because um, of the age we all are, right? All of our parents are kind of getting older. Hmm. And a lot of these like family run businesses, it's kind of a question of like, who is going to take it over. And even if that wasn't part of your identity or your plan, now that someone has some expectations from you that you got to figure out. Are you going to deal with or are you going to find a different way?
0: Wow. What a heavy thought.
1: In some ways, Gaurav and I have talked a lot about um, how we are kind of lucky to be a gay couple in Indian society because there's so few expectations. Yeah. Whereas for almost every other kind of person, <laughs> there's, yeah, a lot.
0: Load of expectations. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, I didn't really get to say this, but I also thought it was really interesting when you were kind of pushing... Um, computational mama and like do you feel like you're applying the lessons that you learned as a mother and she was just so dismissive of that notion it was really funny actually because she was just kind of like no he's learning to stand by himself and like he's learning how to like poop and walk like these are not like deep <laughs> lessons that I am teaching him these are things he is learning about the world and like I have to learn all these other things or to be able to be a good coach and to be a good yeah uh, it was just so interesting because I feel like so many people Are like, oh, yeah, you know, having children changed my world and like seeing my child learn was like, I was reminded about like, you know, the joy of learning and the joy of life and whatnot. (laughs) And it's just interesting, I think, you know, maybe if you haven't forgotten those things, you don't need to necessarily have those lessons reminded to you. And then you can kind of focus on other things.
0: Yeah. It's very interesting. I was talking to her recently and uh, she said how her son is like really creative. He like often makes very interesting things and which like for a very young kid is like, oh my God, that is really cool. And uh, her perspective on that was, oh, all kids are creative. Um, you just need to like, you know, nurture it. I was like, that is not how most adults think. <laughs> like that is definitely very far from how most adults think. Yeah and like it just ties down back to like you know what you just said that if you haven't forgotten parts of yourself then you don't need to be reminded of those parts which also kind of is about identity right yeah like if you haven't forgotten that you are creative then you like stay in touch with that and so like you know you're not seeking that out from something else you're just like yeah of course they're creative
1: well, interestingly, um, that podcast I was mentioning a few minutes ago, The yeah. Knowledge Project, one of his, his more recent episodes, they talk about something about this. And usually, it's sometimes that you're, you are you were protecting yourself in some way, right? So you say, I'm not creative, or you taught yourself that when you were little, maybe because you got hurt in some way, right? Where you were like, no, you know, if I show myself to be creative, like people will make me feel bad, or I will feel bad about myself, or some thing, right? And then what the problem is, is that you can it becomes generational Hmm. right because you have this in the way you act about creativity or whatever it is uh you teach your child that they also should have this apprehension from it
0: Hmm.
1: yeah that's really interesting right the fact that even though she doesn't consider herself to be creative clearly in her way that she interacts with creativity she's managing to not make that scar for her child which is amazing like that's that's really nice
0: yeah, I think like that is what I also felt when uh, like when we were earlier discussing about Mansi and her uh, floating identities. Um, I think that like it was just very interesting to hear somebody who I was a very morally high-grounded person, in the sense that like she has a very strong moral center, she has a sense of ethics, of doing right in the world, right by people. And that was very evident in the patriotism part, how she had like such a nuanced view of patriotism and i was like huh there's something that is missing in my model here
1: interestingly it's kind of the opposite of where i come from sometimes cuz like i'm i'm always very concerned about being misunderstood it's very important to me that i'm articulating in a way that people understand and it's just kind of clear that right that's not as big of a deal for her she's okay with kind of people understanding whatever they want to understand and
0: oh my god my biggest fear <laughs> oh no somebody has misunderstood no we must correct them
1: (laughs) yeah
0: Hmm. this was an interesting conversation I'm really looking forward to like us talking to more people and then like also trying to understand how like talking to these folks has changed how we think like for me the most exciting part was like I could get to hear you talk to someone while not knowing what's coming
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think I also didn't realize, I think I'm not as comfortable giving space as you are sometimes, and it make me wonder a little bit about how how that has shaped the direction our podcast has gone, um, because I thought it was just interesting how I think when you do kind of give more space, you do just end up, I think, kind of exploring things a little bit more, if not more fully, at least from more angles than you would initially. Oh, Right? Like, I think it kind of makes the other person almost feel like they need to partially fill the space, but partially just like, like do something with it, right? So <laughs> they end up kind of sketching it out in a little bit more of a full way. Whereas I think I'm right, because I'm always coming from this place of I want to help people help people be understood and help everyone. So I'm always trying to take what I my understanding is and try and, you know, validate was that correct? Hmm. You know, are you? Do you? Am I with you? Do you want me to fill that in a little more? Should we change that a little bit? But it just means that now you've drawn a little box. I'm sure, you're asking them, do you want to color the box differently or grow it or shrink it? But maybe they didn't want a box at all. Maybe they wanted a star.
0: <laughs> oh, hmm. okay. Interesting. I haven't like really analyzed our styles fully yet. Maybe we'll do a few more and then I'll give my wise feedback like you did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Thinking on Thinking. Our theme music and our audio engineering is done by Akshay from BTRPT Music.
1: If you found this topic to be interesting or have other topics you wish we would explore on a future episode, please reach out to us at our website, joyous.studio.